Rebecca Ross writes fantasy novels for teens and adults. She lives in the Appalachian foothills of northeast Georgia with her husband, their lively Australian shepherd, and an endless pile of books. The Queen's Rising Duology, Sisters of Sword and Song, Dreams Lie Beneath, and Divine Rivals are her titles for young adult readers. The Elements of Cadence is her adult fantasy debut series. When not writing, she can be found reading or in her garden, where she grows wildflowers and story ideas. Welcome. Welcome, hey. Rebecca. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you here. I am definitely in a like romantic fantasy mood. I don't know if I'm ever not in that mood, but <laughs> I feel like you fit the bill to a T. So. <laughs> Thank you. I love reading it too. So. <laughs> and you're from Georgia. I am. I too am a Georgia peach. Are you? I am. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, we talked when we reached out to you about, you know, entering this conversation into like atmospheric romantic fantasy. But, you know, when I was thinking about it, it was like, you're, um, you're the last of your adult duology. It just came out so good. And um, and then I know you have a new title coming out very soon. I do, while. yes. I've been very busy the past two years. Um, yeah, so Fire Endless just came out December 6th, I think it was. And it was very interesting releasing a book in December. Um, and then, yeah, the Ra- Divine Rivals will be coming out in just a few more weeks, so April 4th. So I'm gearing up right now to get into like that. Uh, publication mode there there, I do I am going on a tour which is nice I'll be visiting a few cities and really the first time I've ever been on a book tour so we'll see how that goes that's exciting yeah so so I was supposed to go I was supposed to go on a tour for River Enchanted and um COVID was like making another surge and so like almost all of my events had to shift to virtual but one so yeah it's always nice to be able to have in-person events again and just be able to see readers and sign books because I feel like for a while I, I released quite a few books during the pandemic and it was very interesting trying to uh get the hang of zoom and stuff like that because I'm right. not very good technologically with stuff so your background is very nice oh, thank instance. you I'm in Perfectly my office set up for zoom <laughs> as well <Very> good. <laughs> You know, actually, one thing, Gabby, that just popped into my mind is um, we actually owe the first time we met in person to Rebecca. Tell me why. So your in-person event you're talking about, I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to go. And it was like, and you were, you were going to do it with your agent, Susie. Uh, okay. And, yeah. The one event that didn't get yeah, canceled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, I want to go so bad. And it was not, it was not near me. And then I was like looking it up and I was like, oh, we could just like meet there. Cause we hadn't even met in person yet. Oh, and, wow. and then anyway, we didn't end up going because Gabby had other, you were doing another writing thing during like on that date. And then it was due to that that we realized that if we drove halfway, it would not be the most painful oh, right. thing ever. And then yeah. we had a riding retreat. So thank you. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I really wanted to come to your event because I am such a giant fan of your adult duology. It reminded me of so many things, but also wasn't like... It, I don't know. It was one of those things where it's like I hadn't read anything like it before, but it reminded me, it gave me this such this like comforting feeling. And I'm sure I feel like you have to have heard this, but um, yeah, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say about yeah. Seven Waters, <laughs> the daughter of the forest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not it's not that book, but it was like this. I mean, this feeling I got I was like, oh, it's like I came home. It's so good. Oh. So, I'm so that makes me, I, I always like makes me very happy to hear that. I think Honestly, there's no better compliment than when I hear readers like say that it felt like coming home or it just felt very comforting. I love it. Are you going to write more in adult? Can you tell us things? So I am. <laughs> um, well, I haven't sold anything. So right now I am currently revising the sequel to Divine Rivals. Mm-hmm. So it's a duology. So 
I've been on deadline and I've been running so badly just to sit down with these, a few ideas I have for an adult novel, but I need to kind of sit down and write them out and see like which way to go and like which one has the spark for now. Mm-hmm. And I just have not had like the the bandwidth in my brain to be able to do the, all these revisions and then try to do something new. So I'm like, okay, um, let me like get through this deadline. Let me release Divine Rivals, like give that book all my attention and and then hopefully I can sit down and begin to figure out like what I'm going to do next. But hopefully there will be more on the adult side because I really, really loved writing in the adult side. So hopefully there'll more to come. <laughs> what has that been like for you moving from the kind of YA space into the adult space? Is that other kind of elements that you feel overlap? Other, is there something that you found um, to be very different that, you know, what kind of challenge do you, what pleasantly surprised you between the two? Yeah, so I think the one of the things I really loved about writing adult novel is they are not concerned about word count. So with all of my <laughs> YAs, my editors have looked at my first drafts and been like, yeah, we need to cut like 100 pages from this. And part of it was like, you know, some truth in that like, you know, I, I do put a lot on the page, especially my first drafts because I figure everything out as I go. Um, but it gets harder and harder, like the more, especially if you're doing like a standalone, like when I did Sisters of Sword and Song and Dreams Lie Beneath, like it's really hard to create everything and the conflict and the resolution all within like 100,000 words, which is what they want YA to be. So I just remember feeling just enormous freedom with The River Enchanted. Like they just weren't really concerned about word count. Um, And then A Fire Endless was certainly the longest book I've ever written. And I think it's like 152,000 words. And again, trying to wrap everything up. But other than that, I felt like it was a very organic transition. Honestly, just I think YA felt, it feels very like familiar and comforting to me, but I also could see that I was really ready to write about older characters and themes and topics I hadn't touched on yet in YA. So yeah, it's just was, it's just very nice. And I think just reaching a whole new audience as well has been, has been really neat to see with the adult audience. Yeah, you were book of the month. You had two, they came out with book of the month. um, And that's where both of my copies are. My sister has the first book, though, still. I'm like, give it back. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, book of the month. That was like a huge thing. And I, I was, it wasn't even like thinking it would happen. And it just happened. And so I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And I, like, one of the biggest things about that book with book of the month is like there are so many readers that don't normally read fantasy, but they went out on a limb and requested it and read it and ended up loving it. So I, I made me really happy to see that where people who are like, oh, I'm so intimidated by fantasy books or, you know, I don't really typically like fantasy books, like taking a chance on it and finding out they really love it. So um, it really helped me reach a whole new audience with, with Book of the Month. So I was very appreciative of them choosing it. I love that. And then um, so just to kind of do like a little switch to Divine Rivals, um, I knew it was coming out. I didn't know much about it. And then earlier today, I was like, okay, I need to look at this. And I read uh, what it was about. And then I had to go and pre-order it because it sounds (laughs) so good. I'm, you know, I'm not usually a big YA reader. I read YA for like certain people. Um, and so usually I go to like adult fantasy or like romantic fantasy, all of that. Um, but anyway, I was like, oh, this sounds so good because it's got, I mean, I'm a sucker for enemies to lovers and then Mm -hmm. rivals to lovers is like a subset of that, which is Mm -hmm. so fun. And it's, so it's divine rivals. And honestly, (laughs) it just, it sounded kind of like if you put, you got mail in a magical war zone. That's exactly how I would pitch it. Um, <laughs> I would pitch it as, you know, it's these two rival journalists who fall in love through letters. And so it is like that. You've got mail feeling um, the shop around the corner. Like you've got mail in the shop around the corner, like two of my favorite movies. And I always knew like one day I'll write about two people who don't like each other, like falling in love with oh, two letters, you know. Romance. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's set in a, um, like it has a very historical atmosphere that's inspired by World War One. Yeah, that's exactly how I would pitch it. But it is, I, I would categorize it as being upper YA. So um, there are some like heavy themes and topics and of course dealing with a war. And and it's my most romantic YA to date. So I, I, it was my 2020 book. So I wrote it at the end of 2020. So you can imagine like that whole year was just like hard for so many of us. And so I think when I wrote that book, I just like, I just need to write something that I just want to write. And it was a, a romantic book. So I just like to like put that out there because I think with my other YAs, romance was definitely more of like a subplot. And so this is definitely about like them falling in love. 
which again, so much fun to write. And of course, like the rivals part, it's like one of my favorites is oh. the rivals, the lovers. And banter. <laughs> lots of banter, lots of angst, lots of yearning and longing. So, and, so perfection, okay. basically. Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so the letters, though, it's like a Narnia situation with the wardrobe, right? Yeah, and I don't want to give too much away. Okay. Um, but yes, okay. so they are they are typing on these typewriters and they so Iris, who is our main girl, her brother's off at war and he's been missing in action and she hasn't heard from him. So she's competing for this columnist position at the newspaper where she's up against Roman Kit. They're both competing for the same position. And they don't like each other. Um, and he kind of comes from this very affluent upper class background, and she is more from the working class, so they already kind of have some prejudice like there between them. So Iris, when she comes home at night, her mother is struggling with alcohol addiction. So on top of that, like she's having to work. She had to drop out of high school to like get a job because her mom is just like really struggling since her brother left. So um, one of the ways that Iris copes is that she writes on this old typewriter that her grandmother gave her. And so she writes letters to her brother, Forrest, because she's missing him. She doesn't know where he's at. So she's kind of just putting her emotions out on the page. And she had discovered that when she slips the letters underneath her wardrobe door, they vanish. And so she has this feeling like maybe they're somehow reaching my brother, you know? And so she just keeps writing to him. Of course, he never gets to reply back. Little does she know that it's actually being delivered to Roman Kit in his bedroom. So it's arriving through underneath his wardrobe door. So he's getting all these letters. And of course, he realizes it's, it's Iris right away. And then one night he decides to write her back anonymously. So that's kind of what like gets things going when they start writing to each other oh my gosh let's see this is this is why I pre-ordered it already <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for pre-ordering that's so important for authors I really appreciate it and that's out on the 4th of April right mm -hmm. it is yes. yeah oh I'm so excited yeah um and just curious is there like any um is it like epistolatory in any fashion like what's the what's the vibe it is. The, so the um, there are, you see their letters. So, and it's really fun because they're in like the typewriter font too. So even just like mm. looking on the page, you have like the different font for the, the typewriter letters. So it is, there's like epistolary elements to it, but it's also told in third person from both Iris and Roman's points of view. Okay. So you get both points of view from them. Love it. Love it. Do you in general, um, is that like one of those like tropes that you're just like oh like I can't like um like they send letters to each other because I, I love that that like I mean that's a I don't actually love in the afternoon by Lisa Kleypas have you read that I haven't oh my gosh okay is it another romance. letter is it letter well it's I can't remember like I, they have some of the letters in there oh my gosh this book is so good it's part of her <laughs> Hathaway series um so it's like you know like the um like the standalones, but they're, um, but they're about different members of like the family. And so mm -hmm. anyway, this is one of the sisters, her book, and it's is it during the Crimean War. But, um, but anyway, like she starts writing letters to this man on behalf of her friend who wants to marry him because he's hot. And, <laughs> um, but also she's like, her friend's kind of a bad person. And so she feels bad for him because, you know, she's just going to stop writing letters. She's like, no, I will write to him. And so anyway, they fall in love like that. But then Aww. when he comes back, he thinks it's the other lady. <laughs> oh, no. What, yeah. What's this called? I got to look it up. All right, good. Uh, Love in the Afternoon. <laughs> Love in the Afternoon. It's okay. By so Lisa Kleypas. Yeah, Lisa Kleypas. She is, I think, a romance queen. So good. Um, I've read, I think it was The Duke in Winter or something. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm I, St. <laughs> Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I love her books. Uh, she does. Um, one thing I think she does really well is artifacts. Like there's um, like an artifact that kind of represents, you know, a piece of their love story, we'll say, you know, sometimes it's like he has her spectacles, <laughs> you know, but I, I just, I love it. And I swoon for days. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, love in the afternoon. I will have to check that out because anything with like letters, I'm definitely a sucker for that as well. <laughs> the Undertaking of Heart and Mercy. I need to read that one. I've yes. seen that one all over. And so <sighs> I need so, to read it. Yes. Like it's it's got um it's like creepy, fun, swoony. Like I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect mashup. 
yeah. Rebecca, can you tell us some of your biggest inspirations? Yeah. So are we talking like from the book side of things or? I think, you know, oh, from life. everywhere, really. Life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I feel like, I mean, I, okay. Author wise, um, one of my favorite authors is Melina Marchetta. And she wrote the Lumetier Chronicle. So it's a trilogy. And I remember like the first time I, like I read the first book, Finnegan of the Rock. I was just like, I had the worst book hangover. I was like, I, I can't believe, like, I feel like, oh my gosh, I can't even describe how I felt. And I was like, man, this book was pure magic. And it was strange because when I started reading it, I was like not seeing it. And then all of a sudden this magic happened and it's her characters. So she is someone in the fantasy setting in particular who writes these very rich, flawed characters that you just can't help but like love them. And they feel like real people. And I remember just crying over her secondary characters. Like I meant they meant even the secondary characters meant so much to me. I was like so invested in their little storyline. So I would say like, as far as like my craft, she's definitely a huge inspiration to me. And she's one of those authors who can write any genre and do it really well. So she's done like contemporary, she's done fantasy, she's done um, like a thriller. And I think she's even doing now like a middle grade or like a picture book or something. So I find her like just extremely inspiring. Um, but as far as like in like everyday things, like I, I find that like most of my inspiration really does come from just like, I love being outside. Like I love going for walks. Like if I'm having writer's block, I will always like just get up and go for a walk and like feel the sun on your face. And I kind of live in the woods. So something like being in the woods and I always keep a brainstorming journal. So that's like one of my, I think the key to how I work is just keeping a journal and I have a lot by now, but <laughs> keeping a journal and just writing random things down whenever they come to me. So if I have like, a, like I see a, I hear a snippet of dialogue between two characters. I don't even know who they are. Like I will write it down. Or if I see a place, like, oh, I'm really intrigued by this place, like, I will write it down. Or a lot of times I do, I see snippets of, like, characters and situations that I find, like, really intriguing. And so I'll write it all down. And sometimes, like, I might not ever come back to those ideas. And sometimes they just need another idea to strike against and, like, create fire. And that's when I know, like, I have enough for a story. So I will say, like, my inspiration definitely comes from, like, all over the place. Like, just things I've lived through, experiences, places I've been simple things just like going outside or just listening to music or even gardening I, I find there's so much correlation between like my work and gardening because <laughs> I feel like so much about writing a book is like trying to take care of a garden like growing something from a tiny seed so yeah <laughs> I love that um I want to be nosy what's growing in your garden <laughs> right now nothing <laughs> so oh, no. <laughs> uh it's about that time though when we have I, I mean I need to think about it I think because I've been this book coming out April 4th it's been a little bit it's like, oh, I can't think about anything else, but I definitely want to do a garden this year. So normally mm -hmm. we plant like a bunch of vegetables and like we do like tomatoes and like a zucchini. And last year I did black eyed peas for the first time and I'd never done them and they did really well. So that was kind of fun. So I have like a plot of my garden plot. I need to go out and till it and get it ready <laughs> because I think the last frost date here where I'm at is April 15th. So then after then it's safe to put things in the ground and Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been mm -hmm. so warm here lately. Like we're honestly like ahead of schedule. Like I feel like we're yeah. like, three weeks ahead technically, although it's been, we kind of finally got like a cold snap. Like it was like below freezing last night, but it's been so warm here. So everything's blooming like really early. Um, so I was like, oh no, I hope it doesn't freeze and like kill everything. But so yeah, I definitely will be getting like a vegetable garden together for the summer. I love that. Yeah. I, I keep waiting uh, for mother nature to snatch it all back as well. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, well, like I'm jealous because it's really cold here. So. Is it? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, sometimes I think, I feel like I write better in cold weather. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, man, I would love to have snow, like, a few times a year. Because I think there's nothing better than, like, writing and, like, watching snow fall out the window. But I'm like, I don't know if I could handle, like, really, really cold. Because I am from Georgia, so I'm used <laughs> to the heat. But I, I'm so curious because I feel like what I've read of your work, it's so atmospheric. Mm. and just like what you're talking about is like it's almost like you have to be in like an atmospheric bubble like and also <laughs> like I mean the the vibe behind you like it has like this very like vintage feel you know you're like what I'm seeing of your office like it, it, is there something about like the aesthetic of your space that's really important to you 
Yeah, I'll say I'm an Enneagram four. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Enneagram test. It's a personality test and I'm a four. I'm and a four. four. Are you okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so, a three. <laughs> um, so, um, but so with a, like, with a four, like we do like appreciate the aesthetic and, and things. So anyways, though, when I first started writing, when I wrote the Queen's Rising, I was literally sitting at like the dining room table, like writing. And so I like wrote that book, like on the couch and the, on the dining room table, like I didn't have an office. And so when I got my book deal, though, I was like, ah, you know, I probably, I probably need a dedicated space. Cause I'm also very type B. So I, when I work, I have like papers everywhere and my husband's very type A. So he would come mm. home and he'd be like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally need to keep it all like spread out while I'm working. I can't just like clean it up at the end of the day. I mean, I could, but. So anyways, I took one of our guest rooms and I was like, well, let me just slowly transform this room into how I want it. So it's definitely been like a journey over the past, what, seven years that I've been writing. So at first it was like, I had him build these shelves for me. So they're um, like little steampunk shelves. So we got all the stuff from Home Depot. I was like, I need a bookshelf. <laughs> and this is like the cheapest thing I can do. So my husband helped me like assemble and put it together. But I just have like slowly like, in the beginning, I had like a chalkboard wall. So I would like have a chalkboard wall. And then I've gotten rid of that since then. So I've kind of like transformed it into something like I have like botanical wallpaper on that wall. Like, so when I walk it into the gorgeous. room, it feel it does it feels like a, a space that I can easily create in that just feels like, yes, <laughs> this makes me want to work mm. <laughs> when I come in here. I, I think that's that really resonates with me. Yeah, um, it's yeah. a definite fall thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, because I was going to say, this is something Gabby and I talk about a lot, particularly like with Gabby. I just, I mean, I, I'm she just... She means because I moan yeah. about it. I'm like, I need to be... <laughs> well, just, I mean, and I think it's a valid thing, though. You know, I mean, if that's how you need to work, like, like we need to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Gabby, okay, let's so... go to a question on your list, because I, I have a bunch and... You know, I could talk right, well, I have a, I have a few years. I was thinking about um, the, the very first toe that I dipped into your world of story uh, was when I read The Queen's Rising and I loved it. It was one of, I just stayed up and did not sleep <laughs> and kept <Aww>. reading. <laughs> and that doesn't happen to me very often. I really need to kind of connect with the characters, the story. I think you do pacing just so well and the characters stayed with me for a long time after that. And I was just thinking about the other day, because both of us write as well, if you could do a mashup and just like pick one of your characters and drop them into another world. Which character would you pick? Where would you drop them? And why? Oh my Ooh. gosh. That is a really <laughs> good question that I've never thought about. Hmm. You know, gosh. Who would I choose? <laughs> what an evil question. I know. It is kind of evil. <laughs> I For some reason, I keep thinking I want to take Jack somewhere. So let me think about where I would put Jack. Oh, yeah. Take him somewhere. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. Let me think. You know, I might, I might put him in Dreams Lie Beneath because I don't know. It's kind of an interesting the world with like the curse and the nightmares. Like I really wonder how, like he would handle living in such a place <laughs> um, with like these nightmares. Gosh, that is a really cool question, though. If if I could do that. You should or write like a little fanfic I... for your newsletter <laughs> <laughs> of yourself. Gosh, or who else would I want to meet? I might have like, it would be kind of cool to see like Sidra meet Iris, who Iris is in Divine Rivals, which I know still hasn't come out yet, but I'd love to see like Sidra meet one of my other like heroines from one of my other books. I love that. Gabby, that was such a good question. <laughs> I, I want to read these now. So I know. You might have so, to write them. Okay, so write like now. a little like short story thing and then and then send it out to your newsletter. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that is such a fun idea. <laughs> I would read that. I for real. <laughs> so would I. <laughs> yeah, I love Jack too. So I would read anything about him. <laughs> well, I mean, so talking about characters that we love, I would love to know. Because I think you just do a really great job of getting people, readers, invested in your characters. What are some of the techniques that you use to help readers kind of root for a character early on in a story? Yeah, so when it comes to character, 
I typically try to do multiple things with them. So I like to give them, obviously, like a story is about something, like a character has to want something. So you have to give them something they want. But I also like having them, like giving them something they need, because sometimes what you want kind of conflicts with what you need or vice versa. I like to give them something they fear, like something they're afraid of. Um, and I like to give them a secret. So I think sometimes bringing in like the vulnerability pretty quickly mm-hmm. on the page, like I think um, Jack in particular, we see his vulnerability like right away, like when he's having to come home after all his time away and he hasn't talked to his mom and it's kind of been estranged from his clan. Like it's just very hard for him to go back and and open up um, to the old way of life. But yeah, I think just like making them feel like like three dimensional and even if they are, and I try to do this again, like taking a tip from Melina Marchetta with all her secondary characters feeling very fleshed out, like even like characters who might seemingly p- be playing a minor role, like I still want them to feel like they have their own backstory and their own like wants and needs and fears and secrets as well. Um, so I think again, just like looking at the vulnerability of a character and like making that known like pretty early on. So then hopefully a reader connects with it or are intrigued by it, what's kind of going on with what the character wants or what they're hiding or what they're afraid of. And that'll hopefully like keep them turning the pages. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I love your point about like the, um, the secret too. That's so juicy. Like I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> For the good and the bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, this is a question I had. Speaking of character, and I, I told Gabby I was going to ask this. She's like, oh my gosh, Courtney. All right, Rebecca, what makes a hero hot? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit of like, I personally really like heroes who are not necessarily like the most beautiful man that ever walked the earth. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I like them to have like the way they treat my female characters, even they treat other characters in the book, I think is really telling and just like how they like compose themselves to conduct themselves. They don't necessarily have to be, I think, likable all the time, but I do, I find something very sexy about like, a hero who has a lot of and not talents the wrong word too but they have a lot of drive for something mm-hmm. for themselves as well like it's not all about the heroine per se or their love interest like they also have they just feel very fleshed out I don't know mm-hmm. but of course like even like like with Jack I didn't want him to be like this very handsome like strong like he's a musician like he sits inside mm-hmm. and he's like sitting at a desk and he's working so it's not like he's all like tanned and like muscly, like, you know, so I wanted him to, but I still wanted readers to feel attracted to him. Obviously he still is like handsome. It worked. Way, you know, but it I didn't worked. want him to be like your classic, like, you know, just cause I would be very attracted to a man who's very intellectual and like very good with his hands. Like he has beautiful <laughs> hands and he has a nice voice when he sings and, and has a passion and is, but still has this very soft spot for like his sister. Right. And, and even his mom. So I just think things like that are very attractive to me. Okay. So you're saying his heart has to be hot. Yeah. Heart. There you go. I was like, <laughs> how do I describe this? <laughs> I well, I mean, and again, it, it totally worked because I was like, yeah. <laughs> do you have a, a favorite character that you've ever written? Gosh, that's a hard question because I feel like <laughs> there's like a piece of me with like all of them I will say I really really love writing Iris and Roman and again it might be just because they're my most recent (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I feel very close to them but I also still loved anything with Sidra when I was writing Sidra's chapters like I loved every moment with her it just flowed so effortless the same with Jack like I could I wrote Jack and Sidra just very easily like I loved spending time with them but even if I go like way back, I mean, I think Brianna will always hold a special place in my heart too, because she was like the first. So how long have you been writing then? Like, I don't even, I don't mean as like a published uh, writer, but just, you know, in, yeah. as Rebecca. Honestly, I don't remember a time when I wasn't like, I have memories of being 
really young, maybe even five or six years old. And I would go get like the printer paper out of the printer and I would fold it and staple it. And I would make books and I, I couldn't even like write full words yet. So I have some books where like my letters are backwards. It's just random letters all <laughs> over the page and illustrations, you know? <laughs> and so I just, from a very early age, like if you had asked me when I was eight years old, like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said, I want to be an author. You know, like I just knew that's what I wanted to do. It's been my number one passion my whole life. So as a teen, I spent a lot of time sitting at my desk in my room, like writing stories by hand. Like I just, that was something I just could not stop doing. It seemed like it was just, it was within me to create and do it. And I was happiest when I was doing it. So it's definitely been like, I feel very fortunate that I'm here, that I am published because of course it's hard to, it's hard to do that. But I do think like, if I look at anything else in my life, like I have never been more driven and determined than I was when it comes to like my books. And so I was just able to really channel like everything within me and be very determined, like to try to see it through when I kind of made up my mind that I wanted to pursue publication. But for again, for as long as I can remember, just always been reading and writing. And can you can you tell us a little bit about your writing journey then? Yes. So at the time, I was working at a local college and um, this was back in, let's see, I graduated from UGA in 2012. And so right after I graduated, I studied English because again, I love reading and writing. So I studied what I loved. So I got a job at a community college and I was working just like the eight to five, eight to five, eight to five. And while I really liked what I was doing, I had this moment where I woke up or I, I woke up one morning, I was getting ready and I paused and it was weird because I was just like, you know what, I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to be like 72 and I'll be looking back on my life and I'm going to realize that I never wrote a book and I'm going to regret that because I, again, I was just kind of living the same routine day, day in, day out. And I wasn't writing. It could have been after college. I was like exhausted of writing. I was writing all these papers for literature classes and stuff, but I had not written for myself in years. So that's when I was like, okay, like I need to start taking this very seriously if I want to become published. And again, this was like 2014. So I had this idea. So I started writing this book and of course I would, you know, go to work, come home from work around like five, five 30 and play with the dog. I'd make dinner. And then I would sit and write and I would write on the weekends and I'd write early in the morning and I'd write on holiday breaks. So I was spending all this, any moment I could writing this book. So I finally had a full length novel, I think it was like 120,000 words. And it was like, looking back, it's laughable, look at it. But it was my first attempt, like, it was full of cliches, but it was a fantasy novel. And I realized like, okay, like I actually reached the end, I can actually do this, like, I can actually write a full length fantasy novel. Now I just have to figure out like, how to do it again, <laughs> and do it better. So um, that's about the time when I had my inspiration for The Queen's Rising, where I saw it like very vividly, I saw Brianna and Cartier like sitting in the library talking. And so I was like very intrigued by their conversation. And so I started writing The Queen's Rising. And again, I had no idea really where the book was going. I just was very like intrigued by the idea. And I was like, I just need to write it and figure it out. So I basically wrote that book in 48 days because it was one of those like, I can't eat, can't sleep because I was constantly thinking about it. And this was January and February and of 2015. And that was the winter when Atlanta got like an inch of ice and snow and it like shut everything down. Like it was like, very bad because you know we just don't have the equipment here to make sure the roads are clear and so people got stranded at work people couldn't go get their kids from daycare and so because I worked at a college they were like oh like everyone go home like nobody come in you know stay home <laughs> so I had like a week where I was just at the house I was just like spent that whole time like working on the book so I had a few like snow days that helped but anyways that's when I had the end of the when I got to the end I was like okay I finished this like I think it's good but I wasn't sure. <laughs> and I have two younger sisters. They're much younger than me. So if you're my target audience, so will you please read this and tell me what you think? And so they read it and they loved it. And of course they're my sisters. So they might've just been like, you know, this is great. This is the best book we've ever read, you know, <laughs> but it gave me the confidence to be like, okay, like what, what's my next step? Like if I want to be traditionally published, what do I need to do now? And so I started doing a lot of research on literary agents and I found this one website that was super helpful and it's called literary rambles. And this person had compiled all these agents who represent YA in middle grade. So I kind of just went down the list and I was reading like each profile they had made on each agent. 
And so I was pulling the names of agents who represented young adult fantasy, who I thought would be interested in my book. So then I did like massive research on that list to try to figure out, okay, which agent would be a good fit for me. And so I ended up, I, I chose like my top three. And so I only sent three queries out because I was like, I'm so anxious and nervous about this. Like, I just, I don't want to blow my whole list of my queries bad. So let me just send like a small test out. <laughs> and so two of the agents passed, but then one of the agents was like, this sounds great. Will you send me your full manuscript? So I was just, I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe someone wants the whole manuscript. So I sent the Queen's Rising to Susie Townsend and she was like, if you don't hear from me in 90 days, give me a nudge. And I was like, 90 days? Like what? Like I had no idea like how publishing really worked yet. But of course, like an agent, you know, there she requests a lot just to begin with. And of course she reads in the order she requests. And then, you know, she has to also prioritize her client manuscripts. So long story short, she ended up getting to it after the 90 days. I did have to nudge her. It's like, I haven't gotten to it yet. But I was like, I was so anxious, but I also had this feeling it was going to be her. So I didn't send any more queries out, which I should have, you know, you should have done is sent more out. But I was like, I'm just going to wait and see what she says. So she ended up reading it and loving it and offered to represent me. And so, of course, I accepted. And I think a few months later, we sent the book to uh, an editor at Harper Teen who ended up loving it. And they bought three books for me. So it definitely... Like that it was all happened in 2015. So it all happened relatively very quickly and just was like, honestly, change, definitely changed my life because after that I was like, you know, if I, this is always what I've wanted to do. And if I want to make it work, like I'm going to try, I want to do it full time. And of course that's only possible because my husband, we had his income as well, or else I would have never quit my day job, but I did, I resigned. I kind of finished off the semester and then starting in 2016 is when I started like um, writing full time. So Definitely, again, she'll just feel very fortunate. But of course, it's still like, you know, traditionally, traditionally publishing this, like some really great highs, and there's some low lows, it's kind of like this roller coaster that you're constantly riding on, but just happy. I mean, honestly, it's hard for me to believe my seventh book is about to come out next month. So I just feel very grateful to be here. That is just amazing. And I, I always love hearing authors' journeys. We actually, mm -hmm. we had Susie on um, the other day, we interviewed her. Oh, really? um, so, mm -hmm. Yeah, she's Aww. great. I love her. Um, we talked and... about romanticy too. We did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just so it's just so lovely to hear. Like everybody just has such a unique path to getting to the point where they're, you know, they're in that traditional space if if that's what they're going for. And, and I love hearing it because we're both like we're at the beginnings of our journey. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to kind of hear and assimilate it into our minds and hearts. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. very exciting though that y'all are at the beginning. It's exciting. Yeah. And then and also it, sometimes it's, it's daunting less. a little bit. <laughs> yes. I know. I remember the feeling, but it's still, it's still very, it's very awesome. So I'm excited Thank you. for both of y'all. Thank you. Yeah. We both do a lot of fantasy. Um, that's definitely a big vibe. Um, Gabby writes some middle grade as well oh. as some YA. And then she's got some adult stuff kind of cooking too. Um, and then I mostly <laughs> awesome. write adult. So. Very exciting. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm doing I'm really I'm we've just been in some vibes lately. Right. And it's just kind of funny because it's like, you know, I've been like talking about romance a lot. You know, we've been talking about heroes and villains a lot. Um, Just lots of things like that. I think that's been a lot of our our conversations. I'm curious. Um, So do you do you like to read romance then, first of all? I do. Yeah. OK. What I still is your like I'm still I'm still like, um like kind of a newbie to okay. it. Like, okay. So when I, when I started, Isabella Ibanez is my critique partner. She's also a YA author. She is a voracious romance reader. So okay. yeah. a few years ago, like I was starting to like, really like enjoy it. And like, I felt a little bit like, where do I even start? Like, and she was like, <laughs> Oh, I got a whole list for you. So she like sent me like a huge <laughs> list. So I've been slowly trying to make my way and like, you know, just taking more in. Unfortunately, these days I feel like I do, a, well, not unfortunately, I do a lot of blurb reading. So mm -hmm. especially when I'm on deadline, I don't have time to like read for myself. And typically I don't read. Usually when I wrap up a deadline, I reward myself by like reading mm -hmm. like a stack of books that I've been waiting mm -hmm. to read. So my reading has just been like very like minuscule, but I'm hoping over the summer to like definitely dive into some, some romance books in particular, because I just really, really like love reading them. They are very fun. And um, Isabel has... 
is her next book is it what the river knows is that what it's called yes okay in november yes okay in november okay yeah that that is that's in my awareness you know it's like i keep on like i don't know where all like where i keep it all but but anyway yes it's very very good i've read it obviously i've read multiple drafts of it it's very good (laughs) i love that okay so so you're dipping your toes into romance so you like rivals to lovers what else do you like of course, I love enemies to lovers as well. Of course. I really love like the, <laughs> the sunshine and grump. Um, mm-hmm. I always love like there's only one bed. Like mm-hmm. I do love to read like angst and longing and pining as mm. well. There's like a term. Um, what about like, how do you feel about cold storage? You heard about <laughs> that? <laughs> I don't know what the, I'm like a fridge. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But it's like the hero has messed up and then like he has to like suffer and like grovel. And then like she puts him in like cold storage. Like you're like, you're, like kind of like vibe for a bit. How do you feel about those? Do you like that? I mean, <laughs> I, I would read that for sure. I don't mind a little groveling for, you know. Groveling's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know. I feel like it depends how long they're in cold storage for. Some people really like how good the like, tension is to carry yeah, it through. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But feel like I mean, because you like angst, right? Like, I mean, hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you have this- any advice, Rebecca, for yeah. uh, for writers who are querying right now? Oh gosh, so querying, I feel like is it's one of the hardest things because I remember like going back my story like I had to wait like multiple months and I remember just feeling like so anxious and like checking my email nonstop. like oh maybe she's replied by now and I think the best thing to do is like first of all make sure you like take care of yourself like just like emotionally like physically because it is like the rejections are really hard and you are just any way you put it everywhere in this industry you're gonna have rejections and you're gonna have people that don't like your work and you have people you know, that put you down. So it's it's hard, I think, because you have to prepare yourself for that. But also just like, I think protecting yourself, making time for self care is super important during querying, but also just work on the next thing. So instead of just sitting and waiting, like, I think you kind of have to also prepare yourself like, hey, like, if this book of mine does not get an agent, and I've sent it out to like 120 agents, and none of them are interested you kind of have a choice. Like, are you just going to stop because you're so determined with that book that it's going to get an agent or are you going to write, bring the next book you wrote and query that one. So I think just working on something new is really helpful to get your mind off of like the weights. And then again, just get you excited about something else. Plus I feel like with every book that I write, I get a little bit better and a little bit better. So it's only going to give you more, I don't know, like more tools in your toolbox too. like, let's say, you know, that first book you went on query with that maybe died on query and didn't get an agent, but then you queried your second book. You even query all the same agents again, because you can technically do that when you have like a new book um, and you get an agent that you love with that book. And so that's your debut, but then you still had this previous book that you felt like was, you know, a failure, but it might not even be that because you can always take it. And again, maybe it, it's just a book that needs to come down later down the road for you. And mm-hmm. now you've written a few more books and you've gotten a little bit more, involved in your craft and learned a lot more and then plus you've kind of learned how publishing works anyways because it's again there's like a lot to learn and there's still so much I feel like I don't understand about it because I, I feel like I sometimes have like no idea what's going on you know uh, the <laughs> author is like the last one to hear what's going on sometimes or it's just very mysterious but again I think the best thing is again make sure you're taking care of yourself so self-care is important but then work on the next thing and, and just be ready I think to pivot if you have to and just know like none of your other writing is wasted like no writing's ever wasted and it can always it might just be a book that needs to come down later down the road for you it's mm-hmm. good advice and of course like just yeah, make sure you it's... research your eight the agents like as much yeah. research as you can do because i've i have heard of some people getting agents that were really bad agents and it's almost a worse experience having to go through having a bad agent having to break up with a bad agent Versus just having no agent. Like you would Mm -hmm. rather have no agent than a bad agent. So just make sure you do as much research as you can. And I think a lot of authors too, like you can always reach out to other authors and they'll tell you, you know, for like, what's it like working with this agent, you know, et cetera. So yeah, I hope that's helpful. (laughs) No, it is. It is. Yeah. 
Can I, you mentioned earlier, um, and this is something I think about sometimes, um, how mysterious the publishing industry is. Is there like something that stands out in your mind as, that was really surprising as you went through the whole process for the first time? Oh my God. Or even now, I, many times. I in. know there is like, like, oh, like, for instance, just like, and this one might be a good answer, but for, for The Queen's Rising, you might have noticed there's no acknowledgements in those books. And it's not that I didn't want to have them in there. I didn't know when to include them. And so all of a sudden, like, I, I realized, I was like, wait a minute, like, I think the book's gone to print and my acknowledgements aren't in there. And again, like, it's just something I wasn't like thinking of to ask, like, hey, when do I need to submit my acknowledgements? And so, of course, it went to print without the acknowledgements. And so oh. I was like, okay, so next time, Susie, she's like, next time, like, make sure you just put them in with copy edit. So that way we know for 100%, like, they won't get this. And so then the, the copy editor can also copy edit them. So it's like things like that, just learning, I think the process, like sometimes you have to ask a lot of things and you honestly feel like, oh my gosh, I hate having to ask stuff like this, but it's like important. I'm trying to think like what else is, like I think in the beginning, I didn't quite realize like honestly, like how all the, like, the departments work because you have like mm. your sales team, you have your marketing team, you have the editorial team. And like, just how all that dynamic works. Like, I wasn't exactly sure, you know, I don't know. And then sometimes, you know, I, one one period of time, I had like a new publicist, like every year. And I think a publicist is like a really tough job in publishing and a lot of burnout amongst publicists, but also just trying to, you know, make sure like, you know, who's all on your team and what they're all doing, because they're all working really hard on your book. And, and so yeah, it's just like, again, the process, like, sometimes I feel like, there's stuff going on that I had like no idea or this is how this this works and I had like no idea and it like took me multiple books to like get into like oh, okay so I, I feel a little bit more comfortable like knowing how like the process works you just don't know until you know I mean it, it if you'd never done it before I mean it makes total sense if you hadn't been given like a, a walkthrough <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely the debut year is like really interesting because you just don't know what to expect and you're learning things for the you know, the first time and experiencing things for the first time and it's just like huh it's like a whirlwind but um <laughs> yeah. yeah well I think we could jump in to our our final two questions okay what do you think Abby yes yeah we can do that so we asked you in um our little questionnaire what your story beast was and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it out real quick and okay. then we can have a little <laughs> chat about it <laughs> So you said your story beast was a pegasus that looks quite ordinary on first glance, but has incredibly fast wings and stamina once it's airborne. Also smells like a forest just after a rainfall. <laughs> yes, which I like love. I love y'all's questionnaire. It was like so much fun to fill out. And when I got to that <laughs> question, I was like, I actually need to really think about this because <laughs> I've never been asked this before. We Good. love this question <laughs> and we love how like we, we really love it when people get very into it and they like, think about it and they come with the, like all their motivations for why they chose it. So we're going to ask you why the Pegasus. Okay. So I, I was like a big equestrian as a kid. And so I rode a lot of horses. I had a horse for a period of time. And like, if I could ex like experience like one mythical creature that came to life, it would a hundred percent be a Pegasus. Cause I just think it would be awesome to ride a flying horse. So, so I chose that because I'm like very familiar with horses and I just think they're beautiful, like horse with wings, like, but then I also feel like it, like, as far as like my storytelling goes, like. Of course, with the Pegasus seeming kind of ordinary, like, I don't know, I kind of, I honestly love like the story of Seabiscuit, which was like this little racehorse that like no one was paying attention to it. And then he just like came up from behind and was like this underdog. So I just love like an underdog story as well. And then just my whole writing process, I feel like it kind of like my books in general, I would classify them as being somewhat of like a slow burn. So I could kind of see like their stories that could be like a horse almost like taking off, like kind of like starting to walk and then trot and then a canter and then a gallop and then it takes off. And then like once you're air dies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's like, and then even just like with the this the scent, like that's one of my favorite smells is like the petrichor and like the forest mm -hmm. and like so and because I'm such a a very um like atmospheric writer, like I always love like the smells. And so I just kind of like, well, of course, like when it flaps its wings, like it smells like how I think my books 
would be, which is rain in a forest. I love that. I love that. Nice. I'm so into that. <laughs> I wish all these story beasts, like, I wish I could, like, meet them in real life. Yeah, that would really be so ones. cool. Be it really or cool. Or even have, like, a, a book where they're all illustrated oh, and you could, like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. We've had some, like, I mean, I love, I, I love Pegasus. We had a, a unicorn with, like, an attitude. Um, we had a dragon-type creature that, like... It was invisible. Uh, yeah, you, you, it was, like, per- this was with Ken Liu, um, his episode, but it was, like, you perceived it, but not in a way that, like, is, like, a typical sensing of things. It was, I mean, again, like, we've cool. had, we've had very, like, I love this question <laughs> Really so varied answers, yeah. Learned a lot about people, like, a very deep, important part, too, so, anyway... I do think so. so. I think it's we're so great with questions, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) We really are. I've loved all your questions. Thank you. Well, I I hope this is like uh, this next one is like you know the best. Um, What is (laughs) everyone who's who listens every week knows exactly what I'm going to ask. What is your favorite snack? (laughs) Favorite snack. I mean, that's so important. Um, So right now. I really love like a clementine and dark chocolate. So something about like the chocolate and mm-hmm. the orange. It's just like the perfect, like wholesome snack. Oh. I like. And so, so is it like a fresh clementine or is it like candied clementine in the chocolate? It's a fresh clementine. So I literally will peel it. So I have like my clementine and then I like will break off some dark chocolate. So. Okay. I like that. I like I, that. Yeah. You know, Rebecca, we... <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave this in the interview too. But like, um, you know, like when we were emailing you to set this up, like she's so nice. She's so nice. And there's something about like your snack. It proves to me how nice you are. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, I mean, it's probably kind of like the story beast question where you kind of do get a glimpse of like a snack kind of does tell you a lot about somebody. Okay, Rebecca, um, it has been such a great time having you here. Thank you so much for talking about all your characters, your story beats, your snacks, like for bearing through like some of my questions with like, you know, how do we know he's hot? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Again, I've never been asked that. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we had such a great time chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you again so much for having me. This was awesome.